Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's Mulberry? Mulberry is exposing yourself to a blind person. Well, let's get those nerds! Excuse me, please, but why do they call you Booger? I don't know. Dirt <laughs> saw me naked! That's my pie. Liquid heat. Looks like salad. <laughs> call me Booger. All right. Booger. Clap your hands, everybody. And everybody, clap your hands. If any of you guys got dates besides Gilbert, what about you, Booger? I've been out combing the high schools all day. Bird, I think you were a little hard on the beaver last night. <laughs> what are you looking at, nerd? Huh? I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. Hey, guys. Wonder joints. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Who Will Say Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zabe, the host of the show, and I'm very excited to be back with our third format of the show that we've recently added to the program. It's a shorter version of the podcast that we can release in between regular episodes of the show and the home games, where it's just the listeners versus the podcast to see how many points you can get. No prizes or ranks, just a quick mini game to satisfy the nostalgic itch for the pop culture of Generation X. We will also use this time to solve power struggles from previous episodes, as well as giving you a chance to save Generation X from being forgotten in a special guest host segment of the show. To refresh your memory, here is the power struggle that we're going to solve at the end of the episode. Hear everything that happened on that date, we'll do it in two and two. Do you remember where those five Gen X clips are from? Stay tuned to hear the answers at the end of the show. But for now, let's get right to the game that we call Who Will Save Generation X? Challenging Stage. Here's how the game works. We will have three fast-paced rounds of games to play and score points. In round three, we have a special guest host take over the show to quiz me for five questions. If you can get more correct than I can, then you are invited to use our website answering machine system to mock me endlessly. Or better yet, use that answering machine to call in and take over as host for a moment and ask me five trivia questions that we can use on an upcoming episode. Just go to our website and click on that blue microphone icon and leave us the trivia questions. It's 100% free to use and it can be accessed from any device that has an internet connection and a microphone. We would love to hear your voice on the show. So let's get going and save Generation X from being forgotten. Round one. 
I'm Gene Sisko, film critic at the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Roger Ebert, film critic of the Chicago Sun-Times. Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert are without a doubt the most well-known movie critics, not only of Generation X, but of all time. They were giving us their patented thumbs-up or thumbs-down recommendations about movies way before anything was ever certified fresh or before any number of talking heads could be found on YouTube giving their two-cent reviews. Siskel and Ebert were on TV with a PBS show called Sneak Previews back in the 70s and then went on to their show at the movies in the 80s and beyond. Each weekend, we could tune in and get an education about films by these two experts, but often we would just watch to see them argue and rip a movie to pieces. This is the kind of show that makes us feel good, <laughs> letting us strike out one more time at those films that were not simply bad. These were the ones that reached out and insulted us with their stupidity while relieving us of $5 and worse yet, two hours of our lives. To honor these iconic stars of sneak previews, we're going to play a game in which you will listen to selected parts of a review from Siskel and Ebert, and then you'll have to tell me the title of the movie that they are reviewing. We call this game Sneak Reviews. Roger, go get them. Here's clip one. Please tell me the title of the film being reviewed here. That's sort of a combination flash dance and footloose, but it isn't as much fun as either one of those hit pictures. The story is mostly about a teenage girl, a new girl in town, now attending a parochial school. She has a strict father who doesn't want her to enjoy herself too much. All fathers are like that, right, in the movies? Mm -hmm. And yet she wants to listen to records, stay cute guys, and dance. All kids are like that in the movies. Nothing original going on here. And her best girlfriend wants to help her do every one of those things right away. Now that guy there in the leather jacket likes to dance too. And the rest of the movie is about the two of them competing to become regular dancers on a pop music TV show. The film company that made this picture didn't want to release any of the scenes where those two kids audition and compete for the roles of dancers on the TV show. And I think I know why. First of all, they want you to think that it's not just another dance movie. I don't know what's wrong with that. I'd see Flashdance again. Second, and this is more important, the dancing at the end of this picture isn't very good because, frankly, Sarah Jessica Parker, the young dancer, is more of an acrobat than a real dancer, and she does running flips more than anything else, sort of Mary Lou Retton on the big screen. <laughs> There's no romance in her dance, and that's a shame. I think if I were at the story conference, I would have said, let's see, we paid Cindy Lauper for her song now. What do people like about Cindy Lauper? Is it that she lives in a suburb and wears pedal pushers yeah. and goes to parochial very, school? The answer is very tame stuff. This could have been an exciting, aggressive film. This one I was rooting for because uh -huh. of that song, and they burned me out. They didn't even try. Recycled garbage. For two points, tell me the title of the film. Here is the reveal. Girls Just Want to Have Fun is particularly disappointing because its best-selling title tune sets us up for a good time with Cindy Lauper song, a good time that we just don't have in this picture. If you said girls just want to have fun, then score yourself two points. We cut out the very problematic criticism said in this review. The 80s were a much different time, and this review did not age very well. But let's just say that nobody would confuse one of these two reviewers here for being a feminist. I'm not going to say which one out of respect for these guys, but their comments on this movie gets a thumbs down by the judges. Moving on quickly. Clip 2 drops several hints to the title of the film being reviewed. Take a listen and name the title of this film. With a huge budget, a talented young director, and a script based on a highly regarded science fiction novel. This whole film looked ugly, as if the lens were filthy, telling the story of a young prince's attempt to bring peace to the universe by conquering bad guys and conquering bad giant worms that threaten to eat everything and everyone. Wow, that's boring. I've had more fun with sand at the beach. <laughs> I think it's impossible for anyone who hasn't read the books to follow what's going on in this story, which is needlessly complicated. And then there is a whole layer of ugliness throughout the picture, a guy with boils all over his face. 
the ripping open of people's chests, a premature birth of a baby in blood. Why all of that garbage? One of the sad things about this picture is it doesn't give you any entertainment, even on the level of looking at the special effects and the wonderful things happening They're on the They're quite street. cheap, actually. They're not that... There are scenes that look like those high school pictures you see where mm. some kid has a plastic airplane going across in front of his mother's bedspread, and you're thinking, this costs $45 million. Do you have the correct title? Let's listen to the reveal and see if you're right for two more points. We agree that the biggest disappointment of the year is Dune. They could make, in fact, a kind of a real, real long version of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. People could come to the theater with Sam and Worms. That would be lots of fun. <laughs> I recommend that. Okay. <laughs> Yes, Dune is the correct answer, but I really enjoyed this movie. Some of Siskel and Ebert's criticisms are fair, but any movie with Sir Patrick Stewart in it deserves more love than what they gave it. Here's our last reviewed film to name, brought to you by the great Siskel and Ebert. This one is going to be tough for most of you, I think, but if you had HBO growing up, then you probably will get it correct. It was on there a bunch. Coming up next at the movies, an American student vacationing in Europe finds that East Berlin is no place for a vacation. Our next film sort of a surprise. I walked in expecting something stupid like the film's title suggests. Instead, what we get is sort of a slick teenage espionage film with a college student on vacation in Europe running into a mysterious, sophisticated older woman of 24. That's very old in the movies these days. And she convinces him to join her on a trip to East Berlin. While they're in East Germany, she uses him as a courier for some top-secret microfilm so that once he's back home in the United States, suddenly he's being chased by communist secret agents. Now, the gimmick in this film is that before he went on vacation, that kid had been spending a lot of time on campus playing a game where the students playfully shoot each other with ink caps. Uh, be studying. Anyway, we see this in him playing this game with real bullets this time, and so that's supposed to be a big deal. I didn't think it was such a big deal. Do you remember this one-worded title starring Revenge of the Nerds star Anthony Edwards? Here's the reveal to see if you are correct and score two more points. I can't really recommend Gotcha because it's so lightweight. So a mixed review for me, Gotcha is okay. Can't recommend it, though. It's too trivial. I think you're right. That Once again, there's this, may, I don't want to sound like a feminist, but let's make a movie about this guy and then he meets this beautiful girl. Well, if you look at the two characters, right. the girl is a more interesting character. Let's have the movie be about her. How about that? The correct answer was the movie called Gotcha. It's hard to imagine today that they would make a movie about students running around their campus shooting each other with paintball guns. The times have changed, tragically. And I don't think that would fly very well today. Let's get a wrap-up of these group of films from Siskel and Ebert. Okay, now let's recap our reaction to the movies on this show. Both Roger and I voted thumbs down on the teenage dance picture, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. So do movie critics. We didn't have any with this film. And two thumbs down for Gotcha, sort of the spy who came in from the campus, a movie that we thought was made about the wrong character. should have been more about the girl, not the guy. We agree that the biggest disappointment of the year is Dune. Next week, we'll be back to review some new movies. Until then, the balcony is closed. Round two. Round two of this episode is our spotlight trivia round. We will dive into one Gen X topic to quiz you on. Each complete correct answer is worth two points if you know the answer outright, but if you need the hint or multiple choice, then it is worth only one point. I'll ask the questions and then circle back with the answers at the end of the round. Good luck! The spotlight topic for this episode is the highly problematic movie, Revenge of the Nerds. We had an Anthony Edwards mention in round one, and that got the judges thinking about this movie. The more we thought about it, the more unbelievable it was that we were allowed to watch this movie growing up. It was on cable all the time in the 80s, 
But the fact that our parents didn't shut this movie down is more proof that they either didn't know or didn't care about what we were up to, or maybe a little bit of both. This movie is chock full of awful stereotypes, toxic behavior, and some straight-up sex crimes, all while being played for chuckles in the 1980s. So why would we choose to talk about a movie with such bad content in it here on the podcast? Because, like it or not, it was still part of our pop culture growing up. It was the 80s, and frankly, as a collective, I think we just didn't know better back then. I know I didn't. I mean, I just liked it because they had a character named Booger in it. As a 14-year-old, that was funny. Call me Booger. I saw this movie probably a hundred times on cable in the 80s. No joke. And it wasn't until I was an adult that the light bulb turned on and I thought, hey, that movie that I loved growing up is full of super awful stuff when you really think about it. What's worse is that it's not just the antagonists doing the bad behavior. It's also the good guys in the film that do some of the most awful acts in the flick. Some parts of Gen X, I hate to say it, but they are really not worth saving. And I think a lot of this movie falls under that category. However, it's still a fact of life that during Generation X, we had our share of problematic culture. It sucks to say, but it's true. But it's like the song says, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. And the facts are that many of us loved these movies that were full of terrible examples for us to follow. I'd like to think that many of us know better now, and therefore we do better now. You learn from your mistakes in life. You grow. You become a better person. And hopefully you didn't hurt anyone else along the way. Good luck with that last bit. Ignoring the stuff from Generation X that aged horribly does not erase it from time. Furthermore, to disacknowledge these kinds of things means that we lose a chance to learn from them and see how much we have grown as humans since then, or even how much some of us still need to grow to catch up with the rest. It's a cute I think movie. my favorite part was when the nerd got the blonde. I like that. Oh, okay. Next at the movies. <laughs> Sorry to get all serious here with everyone on the show. We normally stay in our lane and make lame British jokes, but we just thought we should explain our position on things like Revenge of the Nerds, Blazing Saddles, Sixteen Candles, The Cosby Show, and many other things from Gen X that were either problematic from its content or its creators. It's like, I know Morrissey had said some really awful things about different cultures, but The Queen is Dead is an amazing album full of songs that I love. It's a tough road to navigate, but at the end of the day, all of this stuff, the good and the bad, make up our collective memories of our youth. At its core, that is what we're trying to celebrate here in the podcast, our collective memories, for better or worse. All of this stuff falls under that umbrella, including the insensitive comments made by Morrissey. But what can you expect from the guy? After all, he is British. Insert to British listener joke here. Okay, enough of that junk. Let's get back to saving Generation X, for better or worse. Question number one. Let's start with something easy. The nerds believe they will never get treated fairly at the college until they join a fraternity. After pledging numerous frats and being turned down, what is the name of the frat that finally accepts them on probational terms? If you know it right now, it's worth two points. But for one point, here is your hint. The name is the 11th letter in the Greek alphabet, said three times in a row. And it is used as both a symbol and a concept of various fields of science, mathematics, and computing. Very appropriate for the nerds. Question number two. During the Greek games at the homecoming carnival, which contest did Booger defeat Ogre? The nerds had to compete in several events. And if you can remember which one Booger defeated Ogre head-to-head in is worth two points. However, for one point, here's your clue. They both took a big chug before competing to help them out. 
Question number three. During the musical show and skit competition of the Homecoming Carnival, which musical instrument does Poindexter play? Two points right now if you can name that musical instrument. But if you need a multiple choice options to help you out, then here they are for one point. Was it A, a violin? B, a gong? C, a keyboard? D, a guitar? Or is it E, a keytar? Question number four. At what speed does Lewis's father have the cruise control set when he is driving them to college in the beginning of the movie? This one is kind of nuanced, but if you can remember this bit of trivia right now, it'll score you two points. Here is the one-point multiple-choice option. Was he driving A, 35 miles an hour? B, 45 miles an hour? C, 55 miles an hour? Or is it D, 69 69 dudes miles per hour and finally question number five our film's quote hero lewis skolnick was played by which actor this is the toughest one in the bunch but if you can get it without any help then it'll be worth two points for you here are the multiple choice one point options for you was lewis played by a robert carradine b keith carradine c david carradine D, John Carradine, or is it E, Martha Plimpton, a.k.a. Steph from The Goonies? Wow, thank you. Real moment. You know, your voice is kind of nice when your mouth isn't screwing it up. Yeah, well, thanks. And you know, your looks are kind of pretty when your face doesn't screw it up. Now that you've had a little time to think about the questions, here are the answers. Question one was, name the fraternity that accepts the nerds. Lambda, 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 of course, was the correct answer. We Lambda, 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 and Omega Moon. We would have also accepted the Trilams as well. If you speak Greek, then our clue of the 11th letter of the Greek alphabet being Lambda should have given it away. I'm not sure if we have any listeners in Greece or not, but if we did, I'm sure they crushed that question. It's all Greek. Question two was, name the contest during the Greek games and homecoming carnival in which Booger defeated Ogre. The correct answer was, Frankly, I'm not too wild about this next event, but it has become a tradition here at Adams. The belching contest. Classy. I was going to set up a joke in which the punchline was only a vehicle for me to play the burping clip from the movie, but I'm not going to insult your intelligence with such a charade, and I'm going to keep it classy and professional by just playing the burp clip without such a ruse. Booger. It feels good to be honest. In question three, I asked you to name the musical instrument played by Poindexter during the musical show and skit competition of the Homecoming Carnival. The correct option was A, a violin. Seems like every 80s movie band featured a keytar, so we tried to trick you with that option. However, perhaps even nerds are too cool to play a keytar. Question four was how fast was the cruise control set in Lewis's dad's car when he was driving them out to college? The correct answer, once again, was option A, 35 miles per hour. Dad, how fast are we going? I've uh, got the old cruise control set at 35. There's 6,127 students at Adams, 58% of which are girls. So? So that's 7,107.32 boobs. In this scene, Lewis does some calculations about how many boobs are at Adams College. 
58% of 6,127 equals 3,553.66 multiplied by 2 equals 7,107.32. Boobs. Lewis's calculations were correct. However, the judges are wondering who has the 1.32 boob. Oh, I'm sure that's what those nerds were looking for with their closed circuit TV spy cameras. Jerks. <laughs> and finally, question five asks you. Who played the hero of the movie, Louis Skolnick? And the word hero here is a huge stretch. The character commits several sexual-related crimes throughout the whole movie. And looking back, I can't believe we ever rooted for this creep. In any event, the correct answer for a third time in a row is option A, Robert Carradine. In real life, Robert Carradine is a six-foot-tall athletic musician martial artist who does a lot of charity work for autism awareness, a far cry from the character he plays in this movie. If that last name sounds familiar, well, it should. Robert comes from a huge acting family. In fact, all of the options in the multiple choice are all related. Robert, Keith, and David are all brothers and the children of option D, Robert Carradine, who was a stage and screen legend. Martha Plimpton is the niece of the late David Carradine, who you might know better as the Shaolin monk Kwai Chang Kane, a.k.a. Grasshopper in the 70s TV show Kung Fu. As quickly as you can. Snatch the pebble from my hand. When you can take the pebble from my hand, it will be time for you to leave. Next, we move on to round three and have one of our listeners guest host the show and ask me some trivia questions. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Kung Fu will return after these messages. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you'd like to try your hand at guest hosting this next segment and share your trivia knowledge of the fun things of Generation X, send the judges an email at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com and let's talk about it. Or for faster results, you can go to our website at whowillsavegenx.com and leave us a message on our answering machine. 
Just tap on that blue microphone icon in the lower right part of your screen and leave us a message. It's free to use, and your voice and trivia questions might be used on an upcoming episode. If you want your trivia questions on an upcoming Challenging Stage episode, then please be sure to leave five questions so we can make a whole episode. We look forward to hearing your voice on the show. Thanks. So who's going to save our generation? Are you going to save our generation? Who save generation X? Kung Fu has now returned. I am the guy who normally asks the questions, but in this segment, we're going to turn things around and have one of our listeners ask the questions to see if I can do my part to save Generation X. Our special guest host this episode comes from our website answer machine. I have not heard these questions yet, but the judges have deemed them worthy to be on the show. We will play the message and get my answer and then the correct answer before we move on to the next question. Let's see how this works out. Let's go to our first caller. Hello, you're on the air. Message one. Hello, Zabe. This is Cassandra. I wanted to let you know how much I'm enjoying the podcast. I've binged multiple episodes in a day when I have time, and I'm working my way through your back episodes, and I've signed up for the newsletter too. I also have a couple of trivia questions for you. Hey, I know Cassandra. She was on the last episode's live studio audience. She's a band called Light Shadows, along with her bandmate, Philip, and they're going to be on an upcoming episode, and we look forward to that. Okay, Cassandra, let's hear your question. Message two. What actor from what beloved 80s British comedy sci-fi show that also has a U.S. fandom was the voice of two of the fireys in the 80s movie Labyrinth? What other actor from that same 80s British comedy sci-fi show was the voice of the Ronald Reagan puppet in the 80s music video for Land of Confusion? Name the actors and this TV show. Okay. You're looking for the name of the actor from a beloved British sci-fi comedy show who voiced two of the fireys in Labyrinth. And you're asking for the name of a second actor who voiced the Ronald Reagan puppet in the Land of Confusion music video by Genesis. And you're asking for the name of the British TV show that these two actors were both in together, a sci-fi comedy that had a measure of fandom here in the United States. Well, first off, Cassandra... We've got to make these trivia questions a little more difficult. I mean, any Gen Xer clearly knows the answer to these questions. And frankly, I think it's a little bit beneath me to even have to acknowledge these questions by giving them their very obvious answers. So I think, oh, uh, the judges are informing me that nobody is buying my attempt to avoid answering the questions. And if I don't know the answers, I should just say I don't know and get slimed. Okay. Yeah. I clearly don't know the answers to this question. Or these questions. Like most Americans, I enjoyed good TV growing up and avoided most of the British television. I think the key here is to remember what TV show you could be looking for and then take a stab at some of the actors. The shows I remember really, as far as being British imports to the US in the 80s, was The Young Ones on MTV, Monty Python's Flying Circus, uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? The original one with that bald dude. Um, and Doctor Who. Those are the ones I can really remember off the top of my head. I don't think any of those shows really were a sci-fi comedy. They were kind of like one or the other. However, I know they made Fraggle Rock and The Muppet Show in the UK. So maybe there's a connection there? <sighs> yeah, this one's kind of beyond me. But I'll take a wild stab and say Jim Henson was the voice of the Fireys 
and his son Brian Henson was the voice of Ronald Reagan. And the TV show was Benny Hill. Did I get it correct? Judges. Okay, let's listen to the rest of the clip and get the answers. Message three. I also have a band called Light Shadows, and we have 80s synth influences, 90s goth influences, and more. And as you are a fellow fan of The Cure, I'm going to email you a link to our cover of A Strange Day. End of messages. Uh, there was no answers to the trivia questions left on the answer machine. Judges, will you please go downstairs to the basement of the Who Will Save Generation X headquarters and wake up the fact checkers? They don't do much on this show anyways. Just go wake them up. Now is their chance to shine and earn their paycheck. Listeners, I'm going to have to put you on hold while we sort this out. Sorry. We appreciate your patience during this brief delay. Assistance is just ahead. Someone will be with you very shortly, and we thank you again for your patronage. Please be assured that we are working as fast as possible to speak with you. Okay, after doing some research, I think we got the correct answers. Chris Berry, if that's how you pronounce his last name, was the voice of Ronald Reagan on the UK import show called Spitting Image. And those were the dudes that made that Genesis music video. The voice of the Fireys was performed by Danny John Jules, who changed his original birth name from Danny John Jules Jingleheimer Schmidt. Fun fact, his name is my name too. And the show that joined the two was called Red Dwarf. Judges, is that correct? Now, after hearing the answers, I do remember the show Spitting Image with their super creepy puppets, but I don't remember Red Dwarf. Sorry. I guess it was a very successful show across the pond, but here in the early 90s, they couldn't get an American audience for it. You got me, Cassandra. Good work. I got shut out in that round and got zero points. Listeners, if you can get that one, I want to hear about it because I think it was pretty tough. I think this would be a good time to remind everyone to please be sure that you include the correct answers to your trivia questions when you send us a message on the answer machine. Feel free to leave us two separate messages to keep the answers and questions separate, and I think that will work best. Thank you again, Cassandra, for sending in your trivia questions as a guest host for this episode and for helping us work out the bugs in this process. We look forward to having you and your bandmate, Philip on an upcoming episode, and we can learn more about your band. The Power Struggle. The last segment of the Challenging Stage is to give the answers to the Power Struggle from past shows. In the home game, number 14, Adam Fitz, a series of down endings. We had a Power Struggle question, and it sounded just like this. Hear everything that happened on that date. We'll do it in two and two. Let's reveal the clips now. Clip one was the opening music to the arcade game Dig Dug. Clip two was the late Chuck Woolery hosting The Love Connection. Clip three was the late musical artist Prince performing the song Let's Go Crazy. Clip four was from the late Tina Turner in the movie Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And finally, clip five was from the theme song for the TV sci-fi classic show V. 
Wow, all the people in this power struggle are dead now. That's really... What's this? Oh, it's a rare note from our fact checkers telling me that Chuck Woolery is still alive, but it's just his career that's dead. Okay, I'm glad that the judges woke you up to tell us that. Otherwise, we would have said something very offensive and untrue about Chuck. Okay, you guys can head on back down to the basement now. Thank you. We will reveal more Power Struggle answers on future episodes of The Challenging Stage. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We welcome you to contact us and let us know what you think about this episode. Your feedback is always appreciated. And thanks again for checking out the show. Thanks again as well to our guest host, Cassandra, of the band Light Shadows. You can check out the link to her band's music in the show notes for this episode. As always, we welcome you to share this podcast with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Clap your hands, everybody, and everybody clap your hands. We lambda, 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 and Omega Moon. And we come here on stage tonight to do a show for you. We got a rock and rhythm and a high-tech sound that'll make you move your body down to the ground. We got Poindexter on the violin, and Lewis and Gilbert will be joining in. We got Booger Presley on the main guitar, and a rap by little old me, Lamar. We got Takashi beating on his gong. The boys and the moose are clapping along, and just when you thought you seen it all, along comes a lambda forward tongue. So won't you come on out here on the floor, so we can work our bodies like never before. Brain. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.